0: Hello, I'm Natalie Goldberg, and this is Education from an Equal. Thank you for tuning in to the second episode of the second season. Today's episode is an interview with Representative Andrea Salinas, the representative for Oregon House District 38, and a wonderful person who I've worked with over the course of my time in high school. As both a mother and a public servant, Representative Salinas offers an incredibly eye-opening perspective on health curriculum and sex ed that includes insight into the nationalization of health curriculum and its feasibility. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience with public service?
1: Yeah, so I have actually been working um, on legislation for about 20 years. It started back When I was in college in 1994, I interned with Senator Dianne Feinstein in her first race against Michael Huffington. Um, I didn't do as well as I wanted to on the LSAT, so I went to Washington, D.C. I thought I would just be there for a year or two and then retake the LSAT. I ended up staying for seven years. I worked for Senator Harry Reid and Pete Stark. I was um, Pete's tax and trade LA, which was a lot of fun. And he worked a lot on healthcare. And then I moved out to Oregon when I had a baby and worked for Darlene Hooley and have been in politics in Oregon ever since um, 2006. So um, prior to becoming a state legislator, I was lobbying for um, unions, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, Pro-Choice Oregon, um, and then some environmental groups.
0: Awesome. Uh, As a state representative now, what is your opinion on the inclusion of comprehensive sex education in health classes?
1: So I sometimes don't think that people really understand what the purpose is for comprehensive sex education. And it's really about making sure that our kids are comfortable with the conversation around um, comprehensive sex education and healthy relationships and knowing Um, how to behave in a respectful way so that we don't encounter problems. We don't encounter violence and abuse and um, sexually transmitted infections and that sort of thing. So it's more about prevention than anything else. I think um, it gets misconstrued as something that we're trying to promote promiscuous activity. And that is the exact opposite. In fact, I think we see statistics that show that comprehensive um, sexual education leads to fewer stis um, less violence less abuse and so um, I'm in full support of comprehensive sexual education in our k-12 schools not only in Oregon but across the nation
0: awesome um, as a parent does your opinion on that change versus your opinion as a state representative
1: it does actually um, and it probably start my opinion probably started forming when Amelia was pretty little and she asked in about I don't know maybe, she was four years old, maybe five, she might've been in kindergarten and she asked how babies were made. And, um, I was always told you're just supposed to be, you know, matter of fact. And so we told her how babies were made. And then maybe a few months later she said, well, how did Reese's two mommies make her? And I thought, wow, she is really curious. And she's also very insightful and observant. Like she she knew that Reese didn't have a mom and a dad. And so the way I told her that babies were made was very different. And so I knew that she could take that information and process it and knew what to do with it. And I told her at the time, I said, please don't share this with your friends. I said, you know, but I, you know, I just said there are different options for, you know, someone who has two mommies or two daddies. And, um, yeah, and so that started shaping my opinion on what kids could handle and what age appropriate education is for children. And now knowing that Amelia is a freshman at L.O. High School, I think it's so important for her to have the information so that she knows, like I said, to ha- how to engage in healthy relationships.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What has Oregon done so far about changing the sex education that its students currently receive? Um, And I know there were some changes made both in 2016 and 2019, and I was wondering if you'd be able to discuss some of those more in detail.
1: Yeah, so um, in 2015, Oregon passed um, what's known as Aaron's Law, SB 856, and it requires the development for school districts and the adoption of child sexual abuse prevention programs. For students from K, um, kindergarten, all the way through 12th grade. And it really requires um, four instructional se- sessions of sex abuse prevention. Um, instruction that's age appropriate, medically accurate, and is not shame or fear-based. Like I said, it, I think it really helps kids to be able to enter in discussions, not only with their peers, but with parents and adults when they feel like something is not right. Um, the instruction also needs to be culturally inclusive and responsive to diverse students, including race, ethnicity, gender ide- identity, and sexual orientation. Because as we know, um, LGBTQ kids have higher um, rates of bullying and shame, and they have higher um, rates of um, attempted suicide. And so I think we need to make sure that we're having those conversations that are appropriate. And then we also have to have a component for professional training for our teachers and administrators, because clearly I would never know how to talk about this um, in a way that um, a trained teacher or somebody else would. So Mm -hmm. um, those are kind of all the um, components. We've also been trying to replicate a lot of what the sexual assault task force has been doing in terms of um, abuse and violence prevention and essentially date rape on college campuses and trying to figure out how we get those laws incorporated into our K-12s comprehensive sexual education. Um, we've been working slowly, it feels like, um, on certain Laws that I've helped to pass, HB 2657 was one from this past session that really defines what kids are supposed to do, and parents too, when um, any kind of abuse or violence comes up and, you know, whether it's sexual or otherwise, um, in the school district, there are a number of different protocols that the investigative process needs to take. And then if parents feel like that investigation process by the school or school district was not complete, they have an appeals process through the department of education. We added a little bit more funding too, because prior to just this past year, we only had a quarter time, um, full-time equivalent employee who worked on these types of cases for all of our school districts across the state. Yeah. And as we know, not every school district has implemented comprehensive sex education the same way. Mm -hmm. So we're not yet seeing the same results from the benefits of that education. So we know that there are probably, there's probably more violence and more abuse that's going on um, and kids aren't, they don't know how, how to um, kind of navigate the entire process. So my bill kind of helps them with that but it also ad- um, adds some additional capacity for the Department of Education to look into the appeals and to the and help the school districts with technical assistance on the investigations.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so with all that in mind, have you ever faced any backlash for your views on health education, whether as a state representative or as a parent?
1: I haven't, but I, you know, I feel like we live in this wonderful place where, um, you know, I think, you know, clearly I think my, my district, um, house district 38 is the best in the state. (laughs) You know, we, we really do have super educated parents and I think, um, and very active kids, um, from young ages, like you know, kids like yourself who are very active and act, um, advocate for the things that they want, the things they need and the things that they see that aren't working and try to fix them. So um, yeah, I have not had any backlash on the things that we're trying to change where I think I've heard some things um, from um, the sexual assault task force who are working on the ground with different school districts is that not all school districts are starting in the same place. And so we mm-hmm. have to kind of And it's very, um, it's kind of Oregon's way, it's our way to make sure that everybody is equipped to be able to handle the same requirements. And not all school districts have the same resources that we have. So um, yeah, so I think the idea is set out some parameters and some guidelines for schools to start to implement these programs. But if they don't have the resources and they don't maybe have the culture and they don't see the need bring them along a little bit slower. That's where I think the backlash comes in. Because I do think there are a lot of parents out there. I think there was an OPB article that I saw that, you know, parents were really upset. Oh, it's only going to, you know, enhance sexual activity and promiscuity between our children. And it's it's only teaching them how to do things. And it's, and it's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not encountered that in our, in the LO school district or in my um, house district 38, but I know that that sentiment is out there. I think, but I do think it's fear-based. And I think once um, folks start to understand it; they they recognize that it's actually a a, a helpful form of education.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Um, do you think it's possible for other states, including staunchly conservative ones, to ever adopt similar curriculum changes as Oregon has?
1: I think it would be hard. I mean, I think um, I think a lot of the fear, and um, you know, I don't have statistics on this, but I do think a lot of the fear perhaps is um, based in religion. Mm -hmm. And being very um, conservative and ideologies that are very, uh, very much based on the Bible and its teachings. And so I would think that what you would end up seeing in those types of states is more homeschooling and less of what we're trying to achieve, which is trying to bring folks along and understand that you actually will see um, fewer pregnancies, fewer, um, like I said, sexually transmitted infections. Um, higher rates of reporting for abuse and violence, um, both between peers and even adults and administrators and you know teachers and that sort of thing. like kids need to know how to, how to combat and how to prevent this kind of behavior in the first place. And then when it does occur, how to feel brave enough to report and tell somebody and how to find someone who can help them navigate it. You know, being a little kid, I can't imagine what that would look like, but I don't think it would be much different for say someone in 11th grade. Right. I don't, you know, I don't know even in my, as an adult, how um, I would, I would have to seek help. So certainly kids, need that help and they need the tools and the education. So, but I think it would be hard for other states to do it. I think um, the more that you see though, the the statistics and the more you actually see your neighbors and friends encounter and talk about the um, abuse and violence that goes on because I think it's a lot more prevalent than anyone actually realizes. Um, I think it's, I was thinking about this on the way over and I thought, you know, it's strange sometimes because you know, you live in a community and you believe that everybody is being taught right from wrong but when wrong happens people don't know really how to um how to talk about it and how to navigate their way through it it's yeah it's Mm -hmm. difficult and complex and there's a lot of trauma around it Mm
0: -hmm, definitely so just to conclude this interview i want to know your personal opinion on sex ed policy and sex ed curriculum on a national scale So do you believe that there should be a nationalized curriculum or do you have a better option to ensure that every student has comprehensive sex ed across America?
1: So like I said, I would love to see something standardized across the nation. Um, Sometimes though, when we standardize things um, and that's why I love working at the state level right now, um, it feels like you're reaching the least common denominator, right? Mm -hmm. So even though Oregon is very progressive in terms of it's, uh, in terms of its reproductive health, yeah. right? And the equity that we see around this. And not just Portland, urban, suburban Oregon, like across the state. We see it in rural districts. We see it in Southern Oregon, Eastern Oregon, across the nation. And the, the support for um, abortion and reproductive rights is really strong. It's close to, I think it's like 69%. Wow. that Yes. And so, and it's in swing, swing districts, what I believe would happen around comprehensive sexual education if we try to implement, standardize something for the nation is we would end up with something that was the least common denominator. So say if, you know, um, I don't know, Texas, where we've seen a lot of abortion clinic closures um, and maybe some more rural and conservative states, you would end up with something that would be able to address their needs in terms of comprehensive sex ed but maybe not the needs of Oregon. And so that's why I love states being able to take something to a higher level and then other states being able to replicate that. I think that's a good model for right now, just in the same way that we take each school district individually and say, okay, what can you do? Um, if you if you can do more, let's do more, and let's figure out how to get you there and the resources. Um, Senator Wagner and I also worked on um, some funding Um, around a lot of violence prevention um, for kids. And rather than getting the whole pot of money that we wanted, I think we were requesting somewhere between two and a half and 3 million. um, We ended up getting about 400,000 for Clackamas Women's Services to do um, continuing kind of some of the education in schools around violence and violence prevention. Mm -hmm. Because in addition to knowing that having these conversations really does help kids um, be able to speak out and navigate the system and figure out who to go to and what to say and how to just handle all this. We also know that prevention is the most cost-effective way um, for a lot of these programs, right? If we start to see more prevention, then we're not going to see kids in foster care. We're not going to see families torn apart. And our goal really is to keep families together. And I think that's where some of that fear comes in as well, Mm -hmm. is that people see – government or, um, say the school district and their role not being to insert themselves into a family. And it's not that that's not the idea. The idea is to provide families with tools, um, to, to help each other and to educate each other around sex ed and and reproductive health care. I mean, it's just about being human and understanding how we grow and live and interact with each other. And it's, it's nothing more than that. But I think if people saw it as a tool rather than, um, an imposing force from, an, you know, an outside entity, then I think we would be able to adopt some of these things a little bit easier. To get the rest of the nation there, I think would be really difficult. But I would love to see something that would be, you know, standardized, obviously. And I know for um, on the reproductive healthcare side, the Oregon really is a model for the nation, and other states have been trying to figure out how they replicate that same thing. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I wish those states luck. We we needed some some good democratic majorities to get yep.
0: those through. Yep. So. Yep. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us about this. I'm really glad we got to hear your opinion. Here's the biggest takeaway from this episode. A nationalized curriculum could prove beneficial, but it's infeasible that it could actually take hold in the way that so many, including myself, hope. Though Oregon, where I live, is incredibly progressive, states like Texas would push hard to have a blanket curriculum that supports their own values. Like Representative Salinas said, we could end up with health curriculum that is the least common denominator, meaning that it is catering towards the ideals of the least progressive state. Despite this, from both the perspective of a policymaker and a mother, Representative Salinas supports comprehensive, inclusive sex ed. Thank you so much for tuning into the second episode of Education from an Equal, Season 2. Next week, we will listen to the input of a student who identifies as LGBTQ+. The next episode will be released on Sunday, December 29th, one week from now. If you want a preview of who we will be interviewing, be sure to check out my website to read their bio, www.educationfromanequal.com. And remember to follow the podcast on Instagram, at educationfromanequalpodcast. See you next time on Education from an Equal.